this morning we are going into the story of jehoshaphat how many of you know the story of jehoshaphat have you read this in the bible second chronicles chapter 20 and verse 1 onwards let's read uh, the story and then we'll try to understand what is it that the lord is trying to speak to us amen it says after this the armies of the moabites the ammonites and some of the meunites declared war on jehoshaphat if you understand why they did what they did you will understand that some of the battles that come against your life it is not accidental it is not because you're doing something wrong sometimes we have this attitude that thinks that it's because i must have made a mistake that i'm facing all of these challenges but if you read the previous verses chapter 19 the last part of chapter 19 it talks about how king jehoshaphat he brought divine order into the nation he appointed levites and priests who will now judge over certain things he gave instructions about justice and righteousness he gave instructions about doing the right thing and immediately after that the armies they gathered to fight against jehoshaphat because god was using jehoshaphat to bring order into the nation you should understand this all the days of the time of the kings of israel the levites have never ruled in israel levites they have been serving in israel but they have never ruled do you understand what i'm saying do you know who used to rule the judges used to rule the army used to rule the uh, kings used to rule the tribe of judah used to rule but the levites their job was never to rule the levites their job description involved only to serve in the house of god and in the things of god but when jehoshaphat came to power he said no we we want to do things a little different we want to hand over the charge of the nation into the hands of levites <laughs> the levites are the ones who sit in the presence of god the levites are the ones who deal with the things of god who better who can run a nation other than worshipers ha ah. and jehoshaphat brought a change in the order of things jehoshaphat he himself is a descendant of king david from the tribe of judah but as he is seated on the royal throne he says yes i will still be the king because god has appointed me to be yes i will still be the one in charge here and yet i'm giving my authority into the hands of worshipers and then he called these levites and priests please read okay i'm just quickly sharing this so that you can understand the context please go back and read chapter 19 to verify if i'm telling you the truth you would not find this anywhere in scripture else if you do find it please bring it to my attention where levites and priests were given the ordinance to rule never here he gives them the anointing the authority the the royal directive to now rule and judge and make ordinance and after that he calls them together and he tells them how they should do it he said you have to be just you cannot take bribe he is giving instructions to levites and the priests he is telling them how the way is the family of david has been ruling on the throne now he is telling them now this is how you should do the ruling part yourself you should 
do it with justice and immediately the bible says after this the armies of moabites the armies of ammonites the armies of meunites they all joined together to battle against jehoshaphat it doesn't say they came to war against judah it doesn't say they came to war against the nation it doesn't say they were upset with jerusalem who were they upset with jehoshaphat the man of god who brought divine order in the nation they were not upset with the levites they were not even upset with the 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 army of israel they were upset with the man jehoshaphat so friends let me tell you this when you're facing battle when it looks like the moabites and the ammonites and the meunites and all of these ites they come to fight you they come after you one after the other it must be because you would have done something right it must be because you would have set some protocol in your life it must be because you are changing the order of functioning in the environment around you there is some shift that you are bringing about with your life which is ticking off the enemy so it's a good thing when the enemy comes to fight you amen, amen. the bible says messengers came and told jehoshaphat a vast army from edom is marching against you against the nation no against you from beyond the dead sea they are already at hazazon tamar this was another name for engedi which means there was a a huge group of people huge a vast army now jehoshaphat as soon as he heard the details of it he understood this is too big this is not ordinary this is not something that i can survive if it was 10 against 10 i think we can survive but this is one nation and that is also a very tiny nation you should understand the nation of israel was split into two the nation of judah and israel the nation of judah was only two tribes the rest of the tribes the rest of the 10 tribes were in israel and now jehoshaphat the king of this small nation the small country called judah he is now facing the moabites the ammonites and some of the meunites they've all gathered a vast army they have come against him not only have they come they have come in a very surprising manner jehoshaphat was not expecting this this was not the time of war this was a time of peace when the enemy came to attack the bible says in verse 3 his first response jehoshaphat he was terrified by the news and he begged the lord for guidance we we learned something in this church in this season it is that when you are terrified you don't go to god for prayer yeah when you are terrified what do you do you worship when you are terrified you read the bible when you are terrified you you get mentorship When you're terrified that is not the time for you to open your mouth and express your lack of faith to God. It says Jehoshaphat because he was terrified now he begins to beg the Lord. He begins to plead he he is unaware of his identity. 
He is unaware of who he is. It says, and then he also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. Now, I'm not saying prayer is bad. I'm not saying that fasting is bad. But I'm just saying that uh, as a people of God, our identity is too developed for us to begin to panic when the enemy comes with terrifying news. Amen. Amen. It, it cannot be, you know, like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego when they heard a terrifying news. They said, if we have to die, we are okay with that. If we have to burn in the stakes, we, we are absolutely fine with that. But we know that our God, He is able to save us. Amen. Either ways, we are not going to panic. Either ways, you know, you don't see them calling for fasting and prayer. You don't see them saying, hey, we need to, you know, do something great now. They just said, we know who we worship. And because we know who we worship, we also know who we should not worship. See, worshipers are the ones who will not fall prey to anything else. And this season, there's one thing that I'm asking the Lord is to, is to, is to help me fall in love with Him all over again. It should help me to worship him more than how I used to worship in the last season. Because when you and I, when we worship God, every other thing that we, that fascinates us, that makes us happy, that makes us, you know, enjoy, we will lose our drive for everything else. Worship is the solution. It says that he was so terrified that he began to beg the Lord for guidance, not for protection. But he wanted direction. Do you see the difference? When we go to God, we are hoping that God will come and just do everything. Here he is not saying that. He is saying, I need to understand what to do. He is not pleading for protection. He knows he's already protected. But he needs guidance from God. He needs a little bit of revelation from God for this season of his life. And that is why the Bible says he begged the Lord for guidance. May the guidance that you're seeking in your time of war be yours in Jesus' name. Yeah. You, you, you can claim that by saying, I receive. Yeah. Because I see the Lord is about to give you very prophetic directions. The Bible says he begged the Lord for guidance. Verse 4. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem. Why? So they can seek the Lord's help. Then Jehoshaphat, he stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. And he prayed, O Lord God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty and no one can stand against you. This doesn't look like a prayer to me. This looks like praise in my eyes. Because when he lifts up his voice, he is not talking about how challenging his circumstances is. He's not telling God how great the army of the Meunites and the Moabites and the Ammonites are. He is not talking to God about the challenges or the struggles. He is telling God, you are powerful and mighty and no one can stand against you. Amen. Like my question is, isn't it 
true that God knows how good and glorious he is. Why do you need to tell me, Jehoshaphat, how glorious I am? See, you should remember that our confession, our praise is more of a reminder for ourselves of who God is and what he is capable of doing. And there is nothing that moves God as much as your praise does. You know, T.D. Jake said it like this. God doesn't have a weakness, but if he did have a weakness, it would be praise. <laughs> he doesn't have a weakness, but he, he, he always and always responds to praise. Always and always he responds to somebody who begins to speak not the reality of their circumstances, but they begin to speak the truth of the God that they serve. They begin to declare, you are the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are the God of my ancestors. You are powerful and mighty. And no one can stand against you. That's who you are. So verse 7, he says, Oh, our God, did you not in the past drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Did you see how they're, they're, they're tapping into the, the friendship of Abraham? See, Jehoshaphat, he has never heard the promise of God. But Abraham has. So they're saying, we know a man who has heard about this land. And we are connected to that man. Because we are connected to that man, we inherit the same promises that that man has inherited from your presence. See, in the Old Testament, all relationships was physical in nature. Relationships and associations had to be physical. Otherwise, they couldn't serve in the temple. They can't say, oh, I, 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 Aaron, he laid hands on me so I can now serve in the temple. They can't. You have to be born of the physical lineage of Aaron. Only then you're allowed to serve in the temple. But in the New Testament, relationships are not physical in nature. In the New Testament, how many of you know that you and I, we are descendants of Abraham? In the New Testament, you and I, we are Israelites. We are Jews, the Bible says in Romans chapter 1 and 2. So our relationship with certain individuals who've heard from God, who walk with God, who have a relationship with God, who have a revelation of God, it can open up the same dimension in our lives that they have experienced. Now here is Jehoshaphat saying, God, this was your promise and you fulfilled your promise in the past. Verse 8, you, your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. Wow. Not the name of Solomon who built the temple. Not the name of David who saved up for the temple. Not the name of Moses and Joshua who brought them into this land. No, they built this to honor your name. And they said, where whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us and you will hear us and you will rescue us. You should remember there are three types of 
calamities or problems that are mentioned there. What is it? War, plague, or famine. War, plague, or famine. There is nothing that you will experience that is outside these three categories. Either it's a lack, or it is a plague, or it is a physical challenge, or it is a war, which is demonic in nature. Amen? Either you, you, either you lost your job and you're not getting a job and you're not getting providence for your life. Either you're not getting the right person to get married to. Either there is a famine of certain things in your life. Certain doors are not opening up for you. Or it is a plague. Everybody is struggling with a particular physical infection, physical struggle, a physical problem. Or it is a war. Or it is a battle that the spirits of darkness, they have unleashed against you. Either of these three, the promise was whenever a war or a plague or a famine comes, we can come and stand in your presence. Where do we stand when war comes? In his presence. Where do we stand when plague comes? Where do we stand when famine comes? Wow. You know, we would go to God when, the, when we know it's a witchcraft. But because it's a famine also, we're like, you know, this time we need to go to our friends. Because this, uh, this is lack. You know, yes, we will go to the presence of God, but you know, there's also a plague. So let's seek the doctor's advice. You know, we, we know that this is like this, but we have to put in our you know, knowledge and wisdom and understanding. No, it's not how it works. Your first place to run to has to be the presence of God. It says whether it is war, whether it is plague, whether it is famine, we run into the presence of the Lord and we stand in the presence of the Lord. We, we, we have rooted ourselves in a particular location where our help comes. Because that is where you will hear us and that is where you will rescue us. Verse 10. Now, he says, and now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us. For they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave as an inheritance to us. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. Let me just rewind and give you the context for this. The Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Edomites, these guys were relatives of Israel. So God told them when they were coming from Egypt to uh, their promised land, not to touch these nations, not to fight with them, not to lift their fingers. God said, if you try to fight these guys, you will not have victory. Don't touch them. This is not your assignment. There are giants in the promised land that you have to kill. But these are not them. These are people that you have to win over to your side. These are your family members. These are your relatives. Now, the people of Israel, they obeyed the voice of God. 
they submitted to the plan of God and they did not raise their fingers against the people that God had said not to touch. And generations later, these same people that Israelites provided for, protected, made sure everything is done so that they are not harmed in any way, these same people turn against the people of God. Not against the people of God, against the man of God. Against Jehoshaphat, who is bringing order in the nation. Now these guys, they don't know why they are doing what they are doing. The enemy I'm talking about. They have no idea because they are propelled by a demonic force that understands the power of worshippers ruling a nation. And so, so they, they are, they are, you know, really agitated. Now, in spite of knowing that these Israelites, they've been good to us. They have been a blessing to us because of them coming and settling in this land there is more favor of God in this land there is more provision there is more rains there is more blessing our enemies don't come to fight us anymore because they are our neighbors in spite of knowing all these things now they are coming to fight against the man of God Jehoshaphat so Jehoshaphat says God you told us not to touch them we didn't touch them because you gave us a promise you gave us an instruction you gave us a decree that these are your relatives and now please do something about this God how will how will we take over how will we fight this and then the Bible says verse 13 as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord even with their little ones their wives and their children Little ones, wives, children. I, I hope that our Sunday services will look like this. Standing before the Lord, not alone, but with our little ones, with our spouses, with our children, with our young people, together seeking the Lord. That's one reason why we've cancelled Kids Church during the service. Those who want your children to be educated in the church, you can bring them one hour before. But during the service, we want all of them to seek the Lord together with us. It's not just the worship time that they need to seek the Lord. Don't you know that the word of God, when the word of God is coming to us, that is also a time to seek the Lord. That is also a time to give to the Lord. That is also a time to respond to the Lord. Amen? So with their little ones, their wives and their children, they all stood before the Lord. And verse 14, are you ready for this? And the spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. See, do you see, you would see how Levites were so powerfully instrumental in this, in this generation during Jehoshaphat's time. Normally, prophets are not necessarily from the tribe of Levi. They, you know, you would rarely find any prophets from the tribe of Levi. But the Bible says, because Levites were empowered in this land, because Levites were looked up to, because Levites were no longer servants, now they were also the lords of the nation. They were also the rulers of the nation. The Bible says, when they came and they cried out to the Lord, whom did God appoint? Whom did God ordain? God ordained a Levite. God picked up a, a servant, a worshipper, somebody who is, you know, elevated in the eyes of the people by the king. 
and the bible says the spirit of the lord came upon this levite verse 15 he said listen all you people of judah and jerusalem are you listening church listen king jehoshaphat this is what the lord says do not be afraid don't be discouraged by this mighty army for the battle is not yours but God's <laughs> this battle is not yours Jehoshaphat you will have a lot of battles to fight but this one that's not yours because God never wanted you to fight these guys God is saying this is not yours see there are some battles that are yours do you understand the difference God didn't say this to the Israelites who were coming from Egypt to Canaan. God told them to prepare for war. But to Jehoshaphat, God told them, you don't fight this battle. This battle is not yours. This battle, it belongs to me. Because I am the one who told you not to touch these guys. You did what you did in obedience to me. You forgave that person who was hurting you in obedience to me. You, you, you let that person go in spite of how much they stole from you in obedience to me. You, you did not raise your hand against this community. You did not open your mouth against that man of God because you honored me. So now this battle is not yours. Now this battle is mine. Whatever we do in obedience to God's voice in our life, those battles we don't have to fight. See, you should, you should understand this. There are a lot of people that will teach you, if you obey God, you will have no battles. That's not true. The difference is, when you obey God, and then you face a battle, that battle belongs to God. That battle, God will fight for you. That battle, you don't have to pray. <laughs> that battle, you don't have to stand upside down. That battle, you just have to take a break and enjoy the scene of the battle. Verse 16. But this is what you need to do. Tomorrow, what do you do? March out against them and you will find them coming up through the ascent of Zis at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. Verse 17. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. Why? Because He is with you. O people of Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid or discouraged or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. This is the man of God speaking. This is the prophet of God speaking. This is the man who is anointed by the Holy Spirit. He's giving them an instruction. Don't fight, but march out. Don't raise your hands, but you need to be present in the battle. Your, your presence is necessary. And this is what God told them. You need to be still. Everybody say still. still. You need to be still. Read that one more time. It says, but you will not even need to fight. Take your positions. Then stand still and watch. The Lord's victory. Take your positions and then stand still. 
Do you know what is the problem with many people in the church? Is that we hear the voice of God, but we don't have the spiritual intelligence to interpret the voice of God. Because nine out of ten Christians, they would hear this word, they will go into the battlefield, and they will stand still. God told me to stand still. Because <laughs> in the instruction, nowhere it is mentioned to worship. In the instruction, nowhere it is mentioned to sing. What did God say? Just go into the battle, take your positions and stand still. And all the foolish people, they would do that. (laughs) But Jehoshaphat was a man of spiritual intelligence. I'll tell you why. Let's read on. Let's read on. It says, then King Jehoshaphat, as soon as he heard the word, what did he do? He bowed low with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, they did the same. They began worshipping the Lord in response to the word that God gave them. It says, Then the Levites from the clan of Kohath and Korah, they stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. So there is worship happening, there is praise happening, and there is great shout in this place. Why? Because the word of the Lord came. We do not respond to God's voice with silence. We respond to God's word with worship. We respond to God's word with a shout. We respond to God's voice with praise. Are there any Levites with a revelation in this house? Are there any Levites who know their assignment in the body of Christ? Are there any worshippers who know your calling? Verse 20, early the next morning, the army of Judah, they went out into the wilderness of Tekewa. On the way, Jehoshaphat, he stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will you will be able to stand firm. When you believe God, you will be able to stand firm. But you also need to believe in His prophets. Because if you believe in His prophets, you will not just stand firm, you will also succeed. So there is a two-fold belief system. Some people, they believe only God. Some people, they believe only prophets. Where we believe in God and we believe in His prophets. When we believe in God, we will be able to stand firm. We will be grounded. We will be rooted. And then when we believe the prophets, the one who carry the voice of God, the one who bring us the word of God, it says, if you believe in His prophets, you will, you will do what? You will succeed. Verse 21. And then this is where King Jehoshaphat, he is like, you are my people. I have my team of consultants. And guess who his consultants are? The Levites. <laughs> Who did he appoint into places of power in the nation? The Levites. Okay, so this is what it says. So, so after consulting the people, okay, the king, what did he do? He appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. (laughs) So there was consultation that happened in the camp. 
Okay, those conversations that happen. This is why you should be surrounded with worshippers. This is why you should elevate worshippers around you. You find somebody that loves the Lord, give them positions of authority in your life. Give them positions to correct you. Give them positions to, you know, tell you what to do. See, Jehoshaphat, you, you think that Jehoshaphat was uh, a self-made man? He was not. He was not. Many of us, we think that, oh, God raised a Jehoshaphat. I am the Jehoshaphat. I don't need anybody. I don't need a church. I don't need a pastor. You know, we all need somebody. We all need somebody. King Jehoshaphat, as much as he's a man of God, he needed somebody he could consult with. And this is what the consultation, this was the inference of the consultation. It was to appoint some singers to go ahead of the army. And what did the singers do? They began singing. They began praising. And they began talking about the splendor, the Lord's holy splendor. They began singing songs about the splendor of the King. Clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice. Let all the earth rejoice. He rapture, he raps himself in light. While the darkness, the darkness tries to hide. And it trembles at his voice. It trembles at his voice. How great, how great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great. Somebody said a loud hallelujah. Listen, listen, listen. Are you ready to hear this? Are you ready for the next verse? Verse 22. Read with me. At the very moment they began to sing. Everybody say they began to sing. Not that they stood still. Not when they stood still. What is the prophetic word? Stand still and see the victory of the Lord. But then you're standing still doesn't mean you stand still, my dear friend. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of people that teach us in the New Testament church, hey, Jesus has finished the, the work on the cross. Now we have nothing to do. No, 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 no. We have so much to do. <laughs> Just because Jesus has finished the work, it doesn't mean I stop my worship. It doesn't mean I don't give tithes. It doesn't mean I don't give glory to God. Because, you know, 
tradition will tell you this is the word let's stick to the letter of the law the letter of the law is just keep quiet and everything will fall into place how long have you been quiet what has changed in your life till now tell me that tell me your silence has worked for you trust me when god tells you to be still it means don't fight with your weapons there are some other weapons that are given into your hands there is a battle that you need to now engage in what does the bible say about spiritual warfare because we do not fight against flesh and blood but against powers principalities and rulers in the dark world in the unseen world it doesn't say jesus fights them he says we fight them how do we fight them come on church if you just had to stand still and do nothing if you just had to not worship if you just had to not praise if you just had to stay quiet you know we we would end up victims of our circumstances no 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 our response cannot be quietness anymore uh, we have different battles we have different ways of fighting this battle because it's it doesn't say when they stood still it says at the very moment they began to sing ha huh. i thank the god i thank the lord for those of us who have come to church this morning with a song i'm not talking about the worship team they have their song list prepared but i'm i'm wondering how many people came to church with your own song hmm. how many people came to church with your own revelation how many people came to church with an understanding of who you are yeah says at the very moment they began to sing some people they stop with singing their singing is not giving praise says they began to sing and give praise the lord he caused the armies of ammon moab and mount seir to start fighting against themselves at the very moment so i believe the it was very prophetic when you guys stood up and sang how great is our god because some battles have already finished at that point some battles have already been settled at the very moment you opened up your mouth to release that sound some battles are done read on let's let's now stand and see the victory of the lord amen the armies of moab and ammon turned against their allies from mount seir and killed every one of them after they had destroyed the armies of seir they started attacking against each other so there were three three nations first two nations joined against one and after that nation is over then these two started fighting against each other verse 24 very prophetic read it with me so when the army of judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see not a single one of the enemy somebody scream i receive i receive not a single one of your enemies will escape the power of your singing not a single one of your enemies will escape the power of your praise Not a single one of your enemies will escape the power 
of radical Levites, radical worshippers. Not a single one, not a single one, not a single one of your enemies. Wow, King Jehoshaphat and his men, verse 25, let's read, let's read. It says, King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to do what? Not to fight, but to gather the plunder. Now you know why these enemies came to fight. To give us plunder. See, it's, it's, it's very, it's understandable to look at Job's situation and think, hey, why did God provoke Satan to go fight against Job? Do you know God is the one who said, have you seen Job? It's not Satan who said, yeah, 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 I, I, want, I want to pick a fight. Which God is like, have you seen Job? <laughs> and it's very easy for us to think that God had some problem with Job. But do you know, it was not because God had a problem with Job. It's because God wanted to bless Job. It's because after this battle is over, Job is going to have the double of everything. He's going to have more than what he could have achieved. More than what he could have gotten in his natural ability. So the Bible says, King Jehoshaphat and his men, they went out to do what? To pick up the plunder. May your plunder come to you. May every battle you fight, every battle you face, may, may your bank accounts increase parallel to your battle. May your properties increase parallelly along with your battles. May your blessings increase parallel to your battle. They found vast amounts of equipment. I, you know, I can only see cameras all over the place. You know? <laughs> see, that, that's me. Vast amount of equipments mean a lot of cameras and drones and... It says vast amounts of equipment. I don't know what is equipment for you. But let it come to you in Jesus name. Vast amounts of clothing. Yeah. Whatever brand. You've no, you're not even, you can't even pronounce these brands. Let it come to you. You don't go looking after them. Let the enemy bring it to your doorstep. Let the enemy bring it to you in Jesus name. And other valuables, <laughs> more than you could carry, more than they could carry, yeah. May your blessings be such that your boat may be at the, at the verge of sinking. That's how Jesus blessed Peter. Two times, two times when the overflow came, the disciples, they were like, we, we will sink. If we don't handle this correctly, we will sink. I'm telling you, some of you, you will need to hire 10 chartered accountants to sort out your finances. Or else you will get caught by income tax folks. <laughs> some of us, income tax folks don't even bother us, you know? Like, power. <laughs> but I'm telling you, you your, your income has to be so big that you will need different chartered accountants for different sectors who will help you manage. Otherwise, you will sink. You can't even, you can't handle this by yourself. You need professionals to handle your money. 
I bless you with that grace. I bless you with that grace in Jesus' name. Lamana Kobo says there was so much plunder that it took them three days to collect it all. They would go home, come back, go home, come back. And on the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing. They gave that valley a name. See, in the natural, it's very easy for you to see that valley full of dead people. Do you remember? It was full of dead people. Three days. Don't you think it will be stinking by now? But it takes a worshipper to go into a stinking valley and say, this is a valley of blessing. This is not a... Oh, no, no, no. This is... This is not a reminder of my failures. This is not a reminder of God's failures. This valley is a valley of blessing. Some of you, you need to rename your valleys today. Rename your valleys. Rename. They're not valleys of dry bones. That's not a valley of dead things. That's not a valley of dead dreams. Oh, it's not a valley of missed opportunities. The Lord says this is a valley of blessing. Which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. It is not because of the equipments and the clothing and the valuables they got that this was called a valley of blessing. How did it get its name there? Because of their worship. When they were not expected to worship, when they were just supposed to stand still, they worshipped. When they were supposed to be using their bows, they they were using their guitars. When they were supposed to be panicking, they started worshipping and dancing. That is why that valley was called a valley of blessing. Yeah. May all your valleys be renamed this morning. It is still called the valley of blessing today. Then all the men returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat leading them. Overjoyed. Somebody said overjoyed. Overjoyed. That the Lord had given them victory over their enemies. The Lord had given them victory over their enemies. So there was a a joy that preceded the battle and there was a joy that succeeded the battle. You see how joy is an immunity? And at the same time, joy is the after effect of a battle that you went through. You, You cannot... You, you cannot just expect to be joyful after the battle is over. These guys, they were joyful. They were singing and they were praising God before the battle began. The object of their joy was not the victory. The object of their joy was not the equipments. The object of their joy was not the clothes and the valuables. The object of their joy was the splendor of the king. Because they said, give thanks to the Lord because His love endures forever. They marched into Jerusalem to the music of harps and lyres and trumpets. And they proceeded to their own homes, right? To enjoy the plunder? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Read it. It says, they proceeded to the temple of the Lord. Then all the kingdoms, all the surrounding kingdoms, they heard 
that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel. The Bible says the fear of God came over them. Sometimes it's because God wants to bless you with some extra plunder that the enemies come to fight you. Sometimes it's because God wants to show off how powerful you are to your enemies that you, he lets you fight some putty enemies. Yeah. Don't you think David fought Goliath primarily to showcase the anointing that was on him? Yeah. Why, what was the need of a Goliath in that time? There was one David who had to be revealed. See, till now, the nation was run by a demon-possessed man. Saul, the demon-possessed guy. But there was an anointing that was hidden in David. That David had to be revealed. That anointing had to be revealed. So certain battles that you fight is because the, there has to be a revelation of who you are. What you are capable of doing. It says, because of this incident... All the nations surrounding them, they are like, no, 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 we cannot take Panga with Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat is a man of God. Whatever order he is bringing in the nation, we, we have to stay clear. We cannot be putting our hands, we cannot be trying to affect the outcome of what is happening in this nation. Since there was fear in that entire nation, entire surrounding. Verse 30, so Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace. Somebody say, I receive for his God had given him rest on every side. I receive. Your praise is an expression of your joy. If you say you are joyful, you cannot be staying quiet. You cannot be staying silent. You know, this entire month we've been taught the importance of joy. But how do we express joy? With your act of praise when you praise that is you saying I'm not affected by the enemy I'm not going to let my circumstances define my happiness my joy is internal my joy is real I may not look happy because of you know all these afflictions on my body but I'm truly joyful I'm joyful and I am and the sign of my joy is that I'm going to begin to praise I'm going to begin to praise I'm going to release a praise I'm going to read through the book of Psalms and I'm going to give you 10 expressions of praise 10 different ways that you can praise I hope that we can do that this morning yeah yes no maybe maybe not okay Psalms 5 and verse 11 read it with me but let all who take refuge in you rejoice let them sing joyful praises forever spread your protection over them that all who love your name may be filled with joy the first expression of joy is praising God through your songs it says let them sing joyful praises as crazy as our song seems, our singing seems to our neighbor, so much more beautiful it seems to the Lord. So don't worry about your voice, don't worry about your pitch, don't worry about the fact that you don't know the lyrics, the not know the tune. This morning the Lord is calling us to sing joyful praises. Joyful praises. This is one way we can express our joy. 
we are telling the enemy i am not concerned about all your threats i am not concerned about your fights i am not concerned about the outcome of this battle this is what i am going to do i am going to sing joyful praises are you ready for the next one psalm 22 verse 25 says i will praise you in the great assembly and i will fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you the second expression of joy is giving so it's not enough that we just sing it is also necessary that we open up our wallets and we shake it a little bit and we give because it says this is how i will worship you i will worship you by giving my vows to you everything that i promised i will bring it into your house see giving is one of those things that you can't do in private <laughs> that you can't do at your home i mean i'm not saying you cannot give to the lord at your home but all the stories of giving in scripture is giving in the house of god just bring all your tithes and offerings into the when jesus was checking out people bringing their offerings where was it it was in the synagogue in the house of god wherever giving is mentioned in scripture it is in context to the house of god so that is one reason why our gathering every sunday is very significant because it's an opportunity for us to give that is why we don't have a separate time for offering in our church because we give from 11 a.m. to the end of the service so you you that's why we will not ask anybody to give now because your giving has to be whenever you want to praise whenever you want to respond to the voice of god you give nobody is going to tell you how much nobody is going to tell you now whenever you want to give you walk to the front and you give amen it says i this is how i'm going to express my giving this is how i'm going to express my praise i'm going to give i'm going to fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you so it's not going to be like oh i i don't want anybody to see me walking up into the front no 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 it's it's a little embarrassing because it's in the presence of those who worship you they don't have to know how much you give but they have to know that you are a giver because your giving is an expression of praise your giving is an expression of your joy it says verse 26 the poor will eat and be satisfied all who seek the lord they will praise him their hearts will rejoice with every giver in this house your hearts being filled with everlasting joy jump to psalms 33 verse 1 it says let the godly sing for joy to the lord it is fitting for the pure to praise him this morning whatever it is that is stopping our lack of our praise to the lord whatever ungodliness is there whatever impurity is there we we have to lay it down at the altar you should understand our praise is powerful when it is pure when it is coming from a pure heart so whatever it is there if if there is any unconfessed sin any any nature any attitude of heart that we have not yet just placed at the altar and asked the lord to forgive us then you have to do it today so it's because the godly are the ones who sing for joy to the lord verse 2 ready for this it says praise the lord with melodies on the lyre play skillfully 
on the harp and sing with joy. The third expression of praise, are you ready for this? Is to make melodies, to make music to the Lord. I thank God for all the skilled people that we have in the house. But we can all make melodies, right? Yeah? Yes or no? Yes. Do we all hum? Yes. Do we all know how to sing a tune? Yes. Yeah, we can all do our make our own music unto the Lord this morning. Amen. Come on now. Yes. Are you all ready? I'm, I'm telling you all these things so we can practice it today. Yes. Today is preach and practice immediately. Yes. Not later. Today we have to, before we leave from here, we have to practice. We cannot be a cribbing church. We cannot be a complaining church. No. We have to be a singing church. We have to be a church that gives. We have to be a church that makes melody in our hearts unto the Lord. Amen. It says, uh, verse 3, sing a new song of praise to Him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy. Let's jump to Psalms 34, verse 1 says, I will praise the Lord at all times and I will constantly do what? Speak His praises. This is specifically for the ones who can't sing. If you can't sing, you can speak. I know so many people were happy this, when I read this out. <laughs> hey, you, do you know that you, your speaking has to be speaking praises to God? Which doesn't finish with the worship session here. I mean, we can speak praises to God even during the worship session, but from 1 p.m. on Sunday afternoon to 11 a.m. next Sunday morning, you are still speaking to somebody or the other, beginning with yourself. You're telling yourself something? What are you telling yourself? Our God, He is strong and mighty. There is no one who can stand against Him. Instead of telling yourself all the lies that the doctors have already told you, why don't you speak? What you speak, be constantly speaking His praises. Verse 2, it says, I will boast. Do you know that your boasting is a sign of praise to God? But what is, what is it that you're boasting about? It says, I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless, let them take heart. Verse 3, come. Let us tell, tell, everybody's tell, tell, tell of the Lord's greatness and let us exalt His name together. The first is singing, giving, making music and speaking, telling, proclaiming His greatness. Wherever we go, you can speak His praises. That's an expression of your praise. Something more physical, Psalms 47 and verse 1. It says, come everyone, clap your hands. How many of you know how to clap your hands? Ah. Clapping hands. Ah. Let's do it. Hallelujah. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Demons are fleeing every time you clap. Because your praise is powerful. Your praise is powerful. 
people come and clap your hands. Let me explain this. Let me explain this. Clapping is not a Pentecostal thing. Clapping is a Levite thing. Clapping is not meant for the charismatics. Clapping is meant for worshipers. We clap not because we feel good. We clap even when the enemy is standing at the doorstep. Because our claps are meant for the King of Kings. Yes, our claps. It's meant for the Lord of Lords. Aramando Bokose. The next verse. Next verse. Psalms. Let's just sit. Ready? Let's read it out together. One, two, three, go. Shout joyful praises to God, all the earth. We, we heard sing joyful praises. Now, shout. So this is where I believe that, you know, we, we need extra energy when we come to church on Sunday. You should be able to shout, guys. Come on. Yeah. Uh, we should be able to shout. This morning is going to be a very loud service. Shout joyful praises. Shout! You sing, you speak, and you shout. Maracabolo, Rodorobo, Serene. Are you ready for some more fun? <laughs> Psalms 126, verse 2. Let's read it. We were filled <laughs> with laughter. Do you know? Your laughter is a, is a sound of praise to God. That is why God was so irritated with the cries of God's people in the wilderness. They're murmuring and they're, you know, they're cribbing. God was so irritated. He was annoyed with that sound. But it says, we were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. And the other nations said, what amazing thing... The Lord has done for us, no, for them. The nations around Israel, they looked at them and said, Wow, these guys know how to laugh. How, what amazing things God has done for them. This morning we are getting a, a course in how to laugh. We, we, we cannot be a sad church today. No. Because we come into worship. If it was anything else, it's a different thing. But because we come into worship, how can we go without laughter? Yeah. This has to be a house filled with laughter. Amen. Psalms 134 and verse 2 says, Lift your hands toward... How many of you have hands to lift it up? Wow. Do you know you look beautiful this morning? Do you know from heaven's perspective, this looks like praise? From heaven's perspective, this looks glorious. Ah, lift your hands towards the sanctuary and praise the Lord. 
149 verse 1 praise the lord sing to the lord a new song sing his praises in the assembly of the faithful i told you about corporate gathering corporate praises yeah it says verse 2 oh israel rejoice in your maker oh people of jerusalem exult in your king look at your neighbor and say hey today rejoice in your maker Instead of saying, Oh Israel, put their name. What is their name? Oh, oh, Pastor Kachi, rejoice. Rejoice in your Maker. Oh, people of BRC, exult in your King. Come on, come on, confess, confess, confess. Yeah. Are you ready for verse 3? Ready for verse 3? Let's read it out together. This is something we all love. Verse 3. Praise his name with what? <laughs> so we don't dance because we feel good. We dance because it is scriptural to dance. We don't dance because we are happy. We dance because we've heard some terrifying news. Ah. We dance in the midst of all of that. Why? Because my dancing is a praise unto the Lord. I can praise His name with dancing. You, you, you have to praise Him with dancing. Uh, you, you cannot just be, you know, God told me to just stand still and praise. No, no. That is, that is foolish. That's poor intelligence to just stand still. Let me finish with this, okay? Psalms 30, verse 11 and 12. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. That, verse, verse 12, read it loud or clear, okay? Verse 12. That I might sing praises to you and not be silent. Tell your neighbor, I will not be silent. Can I say this out loud? Being still doesn't mean being silent. I'll repeat it one more time. Being still doesn't mean being silent. You cannot silently praise God. Sorry, you're in the wrong church. <laughs> you're in a Bible-believing church this morning. And this church believes that when you give praise to God, you cannot be silent. It says, he has turned my mourning into dancing. He has taken my clothes of mourning and given me clothes of joy. That I might sing praises to you and not be silent. I gave you 10 expressions of praise. And I'm giving you one expression that is not praise. And that is your silence. You, you cannot praise God with your silence. Sorry. Can I read out all the ten? Just to revise so that we can practice it. Singing. Singing joyful praises to Him. By giving, I will fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship God. 
making melodies with melodies on the lyre on the 10 stringed harp speaking 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 how many of you love speaking yeah, speaking we, you can't sing you can speak this morning we don't have the option to be silent church no 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 we will not be silent we will not be silent this i will constantly speak his praise i will boast only in the lord i will tell of his greatness and number five clapping your hands are strong this morning number the next one shouting shouting you know how to shout shouting then laughing So in between the worship, if your neighbors start laughing, don't, don't try to correct them. Let them laugh. He has filled us with laughter. Ah, we thank you, Lord. Then we will have dancing. We lifting hands. We will have lifting hands. We will lift our hands. We will clap with our hands. We will lift our hands and we will dance with our steps. Are you ready for this? The Bible says, God told them, stay still and watch the victory of the Lord. But Jehoshaphat, he consulted with the people and he said, no, no, no. We will not stay silent. We can stay still but not be silent. And this is what it means to stay still for us. We will sing. We will give. We will lift our hands. We will speak his praises. We will will play instruments. We will amplify the voice of those instruments. We will... We will clap, we will shout, we will dance, we will laugh. The enemy has to be confused. (laughs) It says, when they began to sing, the enemy got confused. (laughs) Because this this is actually confusing. Logically speaking, it doesn't make sense for somebody who is being threatened to laugh. It doesn't make sense. It has to confuse the enemy. Are you ready, church? See, if, if this becomes, if this expression of joy becomes our lifestyle, every day, for the rest of this week, for the rest of this season, if we can continue to respond to every threat that the enemy sends our way with a song, with a offering, with a praise, I'm telling you, the enemy will not have any hiding place in your house. The Bible says, not a single one of your enemies will escape. That's a rhema word of the Lord for us this morning. Not a single one of us will remain unhealed. Not a single one of us will have needs that are not met. Not a single area, whether it be war, whether it be plague or it will be famine. Not a single enemy will be left. Lift your hands unto the sanctuary. Father, I bless this congregation right now. From the front to the back, from the left to the right. I bless these hands to be hands that are holy hands lifted up in your sanctuary. I bless these hands to carry the plunder. I bless these hands with equipments, with clothes, and with valuables. And I bless these hands with the ability to clap beyond their natural strength. I bless these hands with the grace to play melody unto the Lord. 
Everything that they touch, let it be blessed. Everywhere they go, let them see and experience the favor of the Lord. May this be a morning of great rejoicing. May it be a rejoicing that will confuse our enemy. In Jesus' mighty name we pray.